Hello guys, welcome to our show, good people, welcome, and I don't want to discriminate bad people, welcome to our show as well, anyone who wanna learn more about digital marketing, and marketing, SEO strategies, the philosophical twist, welcome, because today we are going to cover this topic and to find what actually works today, I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Skyler Reeves, how are you? Doing well, and it's only how about yourself, man? Great, we chatted a little bit because we record this episode on Friday. It's a special day. I love this day from school. My son told me he hates Monday, <laughs> but yeah. he loves Friday. I don't know how to help him. I told, you know, it's better to love your school. He told me it's impossible. He loves to play soccer. <laughs> anyway, we need to have this experience as well. But, you know, uh, I remember when I decided to launch a new project for the sake of earning money. I invested a lot of resources, hired people, but I didn't like this project. The main reason was to earn money, to use the trend and i failed three years resources wasted then i got it i will never take any project because of money it's more to enjoy the process skylar before we start tell more about your self-experience background and how you can enjoy ACO, content marketing, and your methods to get results. Yeah, I mean, so Skylar, founder of Ardent Growth here. We've been doing this for about three years. Um, we are uh, we're in this unique place where we're the marketing agency for other marketing agencies. Um, we don't uh, we don't do it for their clients. We do it for them. But our our general approach is uh, to try to take things well beyond just SEO, right? And look at the the broader sense of how we produce content and what do people want to consume and treat the primary goal really is as consumption first and foremost that way when people are in market to buy they remember who you are and you know hopefully put you in the consideration set so that you become the uh, the choice uh, vendor whenever they uh, go to make a decision so that's us okay nice scholar uh, I have the question about AI you know Bill Gates said that the era of AI has begun and uh, you mentioned that you can help with creating content. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I cooperate with many great offers who can post on Forbes, Investopedia, many other recognizable websites because we help a lot with crypto, finance, Forex niches. And I found all of them, all of them without exception, use ChatGPT or mm. any other AI tools, all of them. Uh, we had discussions with them. We can't deny this tool exists. Yeah, uh, and I think that was simple to ignore, hard today, impossible tomorrow. And yeah, uh, uh, it's better to use it. And uh, we can't disallow to use this tool, but we want to use it smart. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you can help with creating content. Can you tell how to use AI smart? I mean, like uh, uh, not to generate generic prompts like how to play a guitar, how to lose weight because yeah. 100 million users can do it as well. Your tips about doing this smart. Yeah, so I mean, we, we've we been using it uh, for quite a while and I think uh, the biggest thing really is it's, it really comes down to the prompt and understanding uh, not to treat it like it's going to solve all problems correctly every single time. It's uh, So you have to be capable of thinking, of critical thinking. You really need to know your subject. Um, but to treat it like the world's fastest researcher system who can pull information for you very quickly and manipulate that information. And that's if you're using something like the chat GPT, like interface. Um, there's lots of different ways to leverage it though. I mean, we've leveraged it tons internally. It's probably 12 X to my output from like a developer standpoint, whenever I'm uh, writing software and things like that. So, um, 
that's been like a big, a big, uh, a big help on us. But I think where the real power gets unlocked is when you begin to combine it um, through the API with other tools, um, things like LangChain, right? Where you begin, where you can actually begin to chain together different um, like large language models and then maybe even feed them into, um, so like, for example, something we've been doing is where we'll ingest a ton of data, say from YouTube or from podcast information, when, um, feed it uh, through, through LangChain, uh, process it through, uh, uh, we'll process it, say like with Whisper, um, with Whisper API to get the transcriptions. Uh, and then using like Facebook's vector data uh, database uh, to store it and then query that to then feed the data into GPT-4 through the API. Um, and it's almost like being able to have interviews with subject matter experts without having to take up their time as long as you ingested enough of their information. But the, you know, that's more on the sort of like maybe advanced set of things. But I think that the biggest thing for people really is just one, um, know how to ask good questions. So if you're looking for people uh, to do it, it's like you have to hire people that are capable of critical thinking, that are capable of first principles thinking, um, maybe people with like a philosophy background or something, but um, asking good questions, knowing that it can lie to you. And just, again, thinking about it as a like the world's fastest research assistant. Beyond that, you have to start with the fundamental basis, which is you actually have to have something worthy of saying to begin with as well. So. I think uh, as the proliferation of this AI content like really begins to go around the web, both on social, we see it in the comments already, right? Where people are sending AI generated comments and they're, they're not authentic. Right. And it's just, it's yeah. ruining that aspect of things, but it's like, whether it's on social, whether it's on the web, uh, on, like on uh, written content or YouTube videos, you have to start with like a unique opinion and a point of view and then use that to create your content um, to speed everything up from there nice awesome yeah interesting you mentioned about critical thinking can mm -hmm. you explain this broad term uh, i think it's important to have this critical thinking to stand out from the rest uh, to differentiate your content uh, but uh, we need to consider user intent you know uh, to think about users and if users are looking for a way I don't know, like, let's imagine how to learn French, yeah? Uh, if you, how to stand out from the rest, if we have a lot of great articles, publications about this topic, so how we can provide something new uh, in this niche? Yeah, so here's, um, there's, there's, there's two paths I've seen people taking the path. So critical thinking, I would say, the way that we try to assess for it, it comes down to, like, you can't teach it. It's very hard to teach. It's something that can be fostered, I think, but it's a very, it's still difficult to foster. So you have to really just kind of find people who have it. It's like finding a good salesperson. Like the, a person's either a salesman or they're not. So a lot of it comes into when you're actually hiring, just implement things into your hiring process to assess people for critical thinking skills. Um, there are plenty of like tests out there like uh, to assess these things. But um, when it comes to the actual application of like, what's this look like in, in practice? Um, I think it's, it would be, easier to, to kind of explain like what it doesn't look like. So the, the inverse, the inverse non-critical thinking is going to Google. Let's say you're creating content for SEO is going to Google, looking at what everyone else is doing and then going in more or less just mirroring that or copying that or using it to even guide you. I think a common fallacy that people take with SEO is they'll say, well, let's understand search intent. We have to understand what the searcher is looking for. And so they'll go to Google and look and see um, what kind of pages that Google's ranking. 
And they use that as a, as this litmus test for here's what people want. And I think that's fallacious. I think it's the wrong way to go about it because what that creates is where everyone's just following each other and they don't know if they're right or wrong. The easiest way to actually find out what users want, what your customers want, what searchers want is to just go talk to them. Just ask them, figure out what their problems are, have conversations with them. Once you know that go create your content and it doesn't matter. Like why everyone else is following, uh, you know, following uh, the blind man, leading the blind, right? Like on Google, you can come up there, create unique, differentiated content that has a different point of view that takes a different angle. That isn't something that's just copyable because everyone else is going to be too too afraid to copy it because they're all trying to run the same like lazy SEO playbook that they have been for years, right? It'll allow you to stand out and you can still rank. Um, we've done it time and time again, taking a more, one might call it contrarian. I don't think it's contrarian. I just think it's it's just different sometimes, right? Instead of just trying to copy what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. By the way, I caught someone who made noise. So (laughs) (laughs) he always takes part on my podcast. You know, sometimes it's hard to to find another place, you know, but anyway, so yeah, Uh, you can see it's light conversation. Uh, And uh, Skylar, let's talk about creating non-boring content. Uh, the reason why I'm asking about that because uh, once I had the conversation with uh, Jim Edwards and he worked in Business Insider 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for $500 million. Mm-hmm. Great success. And he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. You know, uh, if we check out content or even metrics, for example, uh, people bounce, uh, most people, like 80% of users uh, skip watching videos after uh, 20 seconds. Uh, uh, bounce rate uh, on website content, more than 50%. Bec- and uh, um, I like uh, book offers, for example, Joe Rugam, uh, Sugarman. Yeah. He, he wrote a book 40 years ago about marketing. But, you know, I can relate all these insights to digital marketing because people are the same, human psychology the same, uh, but uh, only technologies uh, changed. And uh, he wrote on his book, it's important to catch attention and retain until the end. Uh, Jim Edwards told me the same. You need to create non-boring content. If you are talking about business, because I work a lot with B2B brands, companies, it's boring. It's really boring. So can you tell how entertain users? Because it's not about value. It can be valuable, but if it's boring, people bounce, you know. So any tips about that, how to retain longer and create non-boring content? Yeah, I would say a couple couple things. One, I would, I think it's important. So this is an application of critical thinking here, right? Of like thinking about like what biases might we have whenever we go to approach questions like this. And so one of them would be when we think about, okay, why are bounce rates so high? Not saying that we don't, not saying that we don't want to, you know, uh, reduce the bounce rate and increase, you know, the engagement of content. But um, I would also pro like, like offer that maybe, maybe it's the reason why some bounce rates are so high is because people are creating content that they had no business to create to, from the get go. Um, it's, 
basic question and answer based content where people are looking for an answer, they want their answer and that's all they want and they're gone. So I think we could expect bounce rates to be high. But that doesn't mean you have to create that content. So I think like when it comes to uh, like putting that aside now, when it comes to creating content that's actually interesting um, that people want to consume, um, Boring is going to be relative, right? Because it depends on who's your audience. What's What do they find boring? There's plenty of things that I may go read that I'll find completely boring that an accountant would just be riveted by, right? Um, but that I may not and, and and vice versa. So one, it's like really knowing know your audience and asking them, what kind of content do you consume? What kind of content do you like going to see? Where do, like What kind of content do they share online? Looking to see what people share um, that are from your audience, whether it's say on social or on something like Reddit or anything like that. It's a pretty good litmus test for knowing what uh, they actually find boring and not boring. Um, and then from there, I mean, I don't know like, that there's like a hack on how to go make it. It's it's find out like what problems do they have, where are they not like where are they not getting answers satisfied, um, and or information or even just like the entertainment stuff that they like to consume, right? Like where do they want more and they're not getting enough of it. Um, and then creating that content within your wheelhouse, if it makes sense for you to do so. Um, that would be the best thing, but to kind of harken back to about what you said about marketing hasn't you know changed all that much. So to get people's attention, that's literally what the word like advertisement means, right? Like advert is to, to advert the attention to somebody, um, which is just a part of marketing, but marketing is still the same way as it has been for years, right? There's a place, the market, there are people, Right. You have the psychology that goes along with that. And then you have the message and the product. And it's the same no matter what the medium is. But uh, I think where a lot of people still miss out is going to the people and uh, in, in the age of digital. Right. Like it's very easy for us to be removed from the um, having our pulse, our fingers on the pulse of things. And I think that's where a lot of people need to return back to is just have those conversations on it, like continuously. It's not a one-time thing of just doing some market research and then going creating stuff. You have to constantly be talking to the market. That's the only way to, to create like a, a nice feedback loop that allows you to adapt and change and not, you know, end up seeming like deft tone, you know, as, as mm -hmm. the things roll on. So, yeah, valuable. Uh, let's talk about another aspect. Sure. That, uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, once um, I got an article on CNN, uh, by the way, many great publications published about the story. Uh, Lloyd Richardson, Richards, yeah, Lloyd Richards, uh, he published a book uh, 11 years ago. And he spent 14 years to write this book. 14 years to write a single book. It's a lot. Then he published uh, Marketing and Sales didn't help mm -hmm. to sell this book, probably some random sales, but not good. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok uh, on account with zero followers. This video became viral, mm -hmm. plus 50 million people watched this video. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon. And of course I watched this video. I want to know how to uh, get attention from 50 million people and uh, uh, what uh, I saw in this video, it's not like nice looking design, nothing special, but that was, uh, you know, this video provokes curiosity. It, this video stands out from the rest 
many other videos. It's not dancing, it's not singing, but it's authentic story that provokes the feeling I need to read this book. You know, a simple video beats a lot of marketing and sales methods because it's creative. No, it's creative standing out from the rest. Can you tell about creativity? Uh, because today people overuse AI to create generic information, but how to become creative, how to uh, provide something that wins attention. Uh, let me uh, uh, yeah. tell more about that. For example, I uh, often ask about uh, from my friends about reviews about new movie. And most common reply is to nothing special, the same plot. I watch a lot of similar movies. So it's I'm not interested now uh, to watch the movie with similar plot that I can uh, get from other movies. So tell about creativity, how to be creative in your content creation. Yeah. So I think create creativity is, you know, it's one of these vague terms, right? Like how we, how something becomes creative is probably the byproduct of a lot of exposure to a lot of different things that you synthesize together over time. Like think about Picasso, right? Like Picasso wasn't painting like Picasso um, for the first 20, 30 years of his life, right? This is it. This is an evolution. If you look at some of his early paintings, it looks like Monet and Rembrandt and things like that. So like he evolved into this, uh, into this style. And so I think part of it is one, just uh, it's, it's time and exposure and trying different things. And then the second two is, is really just some things look creative in, in, um, in hindsight when we don't see all the other stuff that was happening around it. Um, and so we get kind of like survivor bias there um, about like, oh, this worked. Of course it worked. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, right? When a lot of times it's actually just being willing and um, uh, to try different things and take risks. Um, but to, to also step back here, I think, remind me, the, the TikTok video that you're talking about, was this... Um, was this a daughter talking about her father's book and how uh, was it, was it kind of like pulling on like emotional heartstrings to some extent? Like, was she just telling the story about how he wrote this book and it, uh, give no, that, no, uh, the video. Yeah. You can watch this video after yeah. the podcast, you know, uh, but uh, the plot of this video, it's like uh, she filmed his father and uh, you know, uh, when she filmed, he wrote something so, and uh, on the screen, I saw the message that my father uh, wrote a book 14 years and I want to help him to get more sales, uh, even a few sales. I don't remember exactly. It's like a few mm -hmm. sales. She did it now that this video became yeah. viral. And, uh, you know, it's, it, that was authentic a story, true story about so can you tell uh, how to be creative? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's not about video. It's not about web content. Yeah. It concerns any content online. Yeah. So I think in that instance, it's, I wouldn't say it's uh, creative as so much of it is being authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a person, I think we can all relate with the way that the message is being delivered, right? Someone's, someone wants to help their dad. Right. And I think that can resonate with a lot of people. And then once something gets picked up like that, it begins to go viral because people want to help 
people people do like seeing other people win and succeed and be happy in life yeah. you know despite like what reality television may uh you know tell us to the contrary but um that's a message i mean everyone's uh not that everyone um like has a father right but like we have we like we 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 have we were born right so like i think it's something that people can resonate with they want to see someone that, that they care about like who isn't doing it themselves right so it's not overly promotional or marketing it's just a it's just someone's, you know, granddaughter or, you know, or could be your son or whatever, right? Who's trying to help you. And it's selfless on their part. And I think that resonates with people because people, people both don't like to be marketed to and like to be marketed to at the same time. They just don't like to know when they're being marketed to. Um, but so that's, I mean, I think part of that is just knowing like, don't try to be something that you're not and be authentic. And sometimes that'll yeah. seem like it's creative when it's really just, no, it's just being, you know, being authentic with things. Creativity is, you know, I think when you're, again, when you're trying a lot of different things and, and, and willing to mix together different things and asking yourself, like, what are unique ways to solve a problem or to approach this problem that like, I wouldn't um, like, look at what everyone else is doing. Right. And then try to, like, for example, it's like, I think like when it comes to problem solving, it's like, try to think about ways to solve problems in the non-standard way. Like a lot of people approach problems from like an engineering standpoint or a finance standpoint or a logic, you know, a logical standpoint. It's like, try to think illogically and think about psychology instead. Um, and I think you could play, apply a lot of the same principles to uh, creativity. Um, just, I mean, I think about like every Super Bowl ad, right? tends to be like funny emotional right they all kind of run the same playbook they pour a lot of money into the production right and then uh coinbase or i think i think it was coinbase one of them come along with a qr code bouncing on the screen right it juxtaposes itself against the backdrop of what you're already experiencing and what you expect an ad to be and i think that there's something to that about you know approaching things in a in a different way to create intrigue but again i don't think you should i don't think you force it i think you just try a lot of different things and because uh, what's what's seen created today the moment someone else does it again like it's not creative anymore so there's yeah. not the, there's not a it's not a formula for it i don't think it's just tries i love it love it yeah i agree you need to be yourself uh it's something that i'm trying to explain to my son he mm -hmm. uh, films content on tiktok <laughs> he yeah. loves tiktok he doesn't care about Google. He can find all information on TikTok. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you <know? Yeah>. And <laughs> it's interesting that uh, when I told him, you don't need to create dancing and singing content, you know, because it's not your stuff. You you hate it. But he told me it's not, you know, my content is not trending. I need to think like uh, where I can get this engagement. No, 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 you don't need. Just mm -hmm. be careful, go ahead step by step. And the best way to burn out and give up is to copy others, you know, to replicate. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I always tell my clients when they tell, uh, when they share competitors and tell, I want their traffic, I want their sales. Guys, your competitors have their strong side. You have your strong side. If you're not good with filming, why you need to jump on YouTube if you uh, can write great text? You know, for example, I can't beat uh, Mr. Beast because he he's, uh, I don't know, insane about that. You know, he's so creative. Uh, and uh, I think everyone has their strong sides, uh, their unique selling proposition. And uh, Skadar, 
can you tell your methods how to create content plan? It's broad question, but uh, I see no when webmasters use popular tools like iChefs, SEMrush, Moz, Uber Suggest, and when they see high volume keywords, they take their heads and wow, I want this traffic, I want to yeah. take it, but it's hard. In the first stage, it's hard to overcome big websites. For example, if I take SEO, how can I overcome Ahrefs, Moz, uh, Neil Patel in the top 10? In the second, it doesn't mean that I can sell by having this keyword because uh, it's not related to SEO services. So your tips, how to find the right keywords or uh, even how uh, choose priorities because mm. you can find hundred topics, but uh, uh, we have limited resources. It's hard to create content with all topics that we have online. Any tips about that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to, to approach this answer. Um, I think one, you want to make sure, like I, I like to zoom out and think about the business strategy first and make sure that we have a, like a sound business strategy and a sound marketing strategy before we begin to tackle into content strategy. But they all three like follow the same framework, which is, so I adhere to the framework that Roger Martin kind of proposes. I think it's the, the best I've ever heard. It's like one, define like what winning looks like. So have a clear idea of what this looks like first for the business. And then the business informs the marketing and the marketing informs the content. So everything has to line up and it's a reinforcing cascade. Um, so what does winning look like? Um, where are we going to play such that we're uniquely uh, that we can win? So like choose where you want to compete, right? So this is how you would think about what channels, um, uh, what topics, right? Like what, what, what uh, sort of domain expertise that you want to, what angle you want to take, right? That's your where to play, how to win. So how are we going to win in such a way that we are, um, where we've chosen to play. So it's like, where are we going to play such that we will have an unfair advantage against the competition in the way that we've chosen to play the game, it's like where to play, how to win. And then from there, what are the must have case capabilities that we need to have? And this is where a lot of people think gloss over it. They don't think about what needs to be true about the capabilities that we have in order to execute and when, how we want to win, where we want to play. So must have capabilities. If you think about, say, if someone's like trying to copy someone on YouTube, it's like, well, do you have the resources and the persistence, right? The patience uh, to create the type of content you need on YouTube consistently at the volume that you need to. If you don't, then maybe that's not the channel for you. You need to pick a different channel um, or a different medium, right, to go compete on. So let's say you've worked your way through all the other and the last step is what are the enabling management systems that we need to have in place? So how do we ensure that we're giving ourselves the proper feedback loop we know um, the, to get the information we need to know to know whether or not things are working or whether or not we need to adjust certain tactics along the way to um, to adapt our strategy. Um, but let's say you've made it through all of that and it cascades down to where you get the content. And you've determined that SEO is a viable channel for us to acquire traffic and traffic will uh, benefit our business in some positive way, whether that's a media company that monetizes through advertisements or whether it's a service-based company that, uh, you know, is getting people to come and, you know, submit forms, sign up for products, if you're, say, a, like a software as a service, et cetera. So if you made it that far... As far as knowing what content to create, I think when you're first starting out, the best thing that you can do is honestly, it's, it's, it's like, you need to make sure that you like, make sure you've got product market fit and all that first. Right. Like I think a lot of people try to create content before they've actually figured out where they fit in the market. But 
um, you want to start thinking about like, where can you begin to answer the things that other people haven't been able to do so? And how are you going to do so in such a way that makes you stand out? The keyword doesn't matter. None of that matters. The volume doesn't matter unless you're a media business that's monetizing off of, you know, advertising revenue. Um, but you want to think about like when it comes to what keywords, I would think about it more like what topic and what do I have to say about it? So pick the things that not only say have this juxtaposition of metrics that could drive the right type of traffic that you want to allow you to achieve your business goals, um, which a lot of people get that wrong. So chase after high volume keywords that either have low traffic or some traffic, but the traffic never converts. So like thinking about that, because uh, you have to think about what your runway is, like how, how long can you afford to not make money from the, you know, from the, the, the spin that you put into this. Otherwise it's just a, it's a pure opportunity cost to not think about what are the other things you could do instead. So if you've done all that and you've, you've, you've decided to say, okay, we know traffic, we know this traffic will convert. Um, like I would create a piece and then figure out how easily I can get it to distribute on social and get people to share it. And then just make sure that like, sometimes you can test the ideas first on social or again, go ask your audience, what type of content would you like to see? What questions do you have that people aren't answering? Don't worry about the metrics and the tools. Not when you're starting out, you can worry about those later once you've built up like a good base and have already validated content uh, from an SEO standpoint as a, like a viable customer acquisition channel. Until you do that, like, I wouldn't chase after the high volume keyword. It's going to be very hard to rank for them. It's going to take a while. You're far better off just talking to your customers and creating content that's going to directly help them right then and there. And because if it helped them, it'll help other people like them. They're more likely to share it with their with people who have faced problems just like that. And then next thing you know, you've got a you know a stable base of initial customers, and you can grow from there. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about metrics. You know, uh, I want to ask about. Uh the right metrics because I see when people chase vanity metrics like volume. And uh, for example, I remember I wrote an article how to earn online. I don't know why I wrote this article, I just had inspiration. It's not my topic, but I decided to share my experience, how I can earn online. And uh, I got uh, good traffic with this article. Uh, I don't remember exactly like, well, plus a few thousand people uh, read this article every single day then. Uh, but, you know, uh, I got a lot of messages from this article. Uh, please help me to earn online. Please uh, uh, tell me how to earn on online games, you know, something like that. It's far away from my main direction. Uh, then I got a lot of uh, emails uh, uh, asking to put the links, uh, they, you know, uh, the owners, yeah. uh, website owners uh, ask me about the price, they can pay any price, but you know, that was like, uh, if you write article how to lose weight without pills and someone uh, uh, who sell pills ask, please yeah. add links you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at the article, you know, it's not authentic. So uh, I shared my experience, how I earn money online. And uh, yeah, so I denied all these requests. And uh, it's interesting that I didn't get any clients from this article. Yep. No one. Just uh, boring messages, a lot of boring messages. Yeah, then I gave up. I told my team, 
we don't need to have this article, you know, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's not our main topic. It might confuse Google, it might confuse uh, people, uh, even if it's valuable. And once I spoke with another webmaster who lost uh, 400,000 traffic, uh, a lot of traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. No, so he got mm-hmm. massive traffic, good traffic, but yeah. this traffic didn't convert. Uh, can you tell how to find uh, metrics that will sell products that cover buying journey uh, and will bring results in the end? It's not about traffic. It's more about sales. Yeah. And tips about that. Yeah, so the... the uh... Uh, the number one metric to measure is just revenue. Um, and uh, th- there's others after that. It'd be like, what are your, uh, it's the stuff that goes on the PNL afterwards, right? Like what's your, pro- you know, what's your gross profit and your, and your net profit, things like that. But primary one to me is, is, is revenue. If things aren't lining up to revenue, like why are we doing it? Right. Um, uh, there's, there's cases to be made about, you know, affinity, right. Um, creating content for the goodwill of your audience. Like it's kind of, you know, uh, doing something because you think it needs to exist in the world. Sometimes that needs to be made. I've done that before myself. Um, but uh, by and large, it's like it, it, things should line up to revenue. Now, as far as how to identify like what's going to line up to revenue, there's not there's not a there's not a clear clear answer. It's definitely not vo- keyword volume, and it's definitely not traffic. Um, and it's not always going to be like the closest one you could probably look at is is taking a rough like average or median. It really, you probably want to use median. Use the median of CPC across a cohort of keywords that all share the same um, similarity in terms of the topic, right? So like if you're looking at Google across a set of keywords and you see that um, all the same pages are ranking for this set of 100, 250 keywords, it's probably just a single page that you need to make. And then you want to get a sense of what's the median value of the CPC that people are willing to pay to acquire that traffic. Um, but you just have to be aware that Make sure that the median CPC that you are looking at is not overinflated by industries that are trying to get traffic from you who are not related or sell things the way you do. So an example of this is we worked with a, um, a large media publisher a while back that did, um, they published content around like colleges, um, like universities, getting into school scholarships, things like that, and like student loans and whatnot. And the median CPC for a lot of things that they would tackle was very, very high. And it made it look like these topics were going to be very lucrative to go after. Um, but that wasn't the reality because the people who were bidding on these things were other banks. Right. And they're approaching people from a very, very different angle than what this company was. And so you have to, you have to be aware of that and, and, and know when you see that, but that's uh, the CPC thing is really just a sense of if people are willing to pay for that traffic and they've been willing to pay that for a while, that's a rough, you can, you can use it as a guide that uh, either they're wasting their money needlessly um, or there's a reasonable chance that that traffic is actually worth something. Um, I wouldn't look at the absolute value of the CPC though. I look at the relative value of it compared to everything else and, um, and kind of gauge it from there to know like, okay, this is, you know, 30% less than this. Like, you know, from there, it's like create content, see how, see how it converts. And when you do find something that is converting well, start to ask yourself and start to ask your customers, like, what other problems do they have after that problem? And what other problems did they have before that problem? When you find out what problems they have after they've solved that problem, um, that's how you retain them or, you know, get them to 
share your content with other people because you've built more affinity. And if you think about the problems that they had beforehand, even if it's not something you directly solve for, if you can help them solve that problem, that will help them get to the problem that you do solve for faster. Um, and by that point, you've already, you know, uh, built a bit of uh, top of mind awareness with them, things like that. But the, uh, no, I understand you completely from the, uh, um, we had a page we ranked, uh, gosh, back when we first started, we wrote a guide to Google My Business and we were ranking number one for Google My Business Guide forever. And uh, it never drove a single cell. And, uh, and then we stopped. I think we ended up, I don't even know if we still have the content on, on our website more because we don't really work with local businesses anymore. But, and now I look back at it and I see like the, the page that's probably driven the most revenue uh, to us is a page that doesn't really rank for hardly anything. Um, mm -hmm. but it's an in-depth analysis on like how to think about doing like how to understand your total searchable market, how to understand your total addressable market. We don't really rank for anything. We just take a different approach from most of the people. And that's people will come and talk to us all the time about that and want to, you know, explore options with us. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. The metrics would be CPC if you're going to try something. And then after that, it's Get them into your website and then see if you can't get them down deeper into another page that you know will convert well, even if you can't rank for it. Because mm -hmm. um, if you can get them in through one way, you can always carry them through to a to another page, not through a 301. Just try to get them to naturally, you know, say like, well, I'd like to read that. That seems interesting. And so they click through and read the other article and maybe that can convert them a bit better. Yeah. Nice. Love it. Love it. Skylar, I want to yeah. ask uh, questions. Uh, I have a few questions questions left and uh, i want to ask uh, you not about seo content marketing about you you know mm -hmm. uh, i found that all marketers have their strong sides they're different sometimes i can ask one question and get uh, different replies not sometimes often uh, and uh, for example uh, you know <laughs> it's interesting to see that you have black background and gray t-shirt i have gray background yeah, yeah. like this shot yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it was planned it was planned <laughs> yeah. yeah and you know uh, i spoke with uh, many great marketers and i found uh, most of them can beat me in one side you know with some specific skills for example jeff coil uh, knows much better about creating advanced content strategy. Lily Ray can beat me in EEAT parameters. Uh, she uh, wrote a checklist for my SEO course that I usually give my clients if they don't understand SEO. Um, uh, Mike Phillips can beat me in uh, content creation. So I think all marketers have their strong sides. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you tell what kind of strong side Skylar? has uh, why you're better than many other marketers and how you can help your customers uh, in different way oh man that's a i would say one of the things that's a little bit different i'm not, I'm not sure it's a strong side it can be a downside sometimes too is that um i'm a i was a computer scientist before i was a marketer so mm -hmm. i uh if there's something that i want to exist from a software standpoint um and it, it's not there, like, I'll just go make it. Uh, if it's reasonable, right? Like, I'm not going to, like, waste my time. I have, though, plenty of times just creating products because I'm like, oh, I need this to do this one thing. So uh, that's that's been a strong suit. It's allowed us to to do a lot of things with data that other people maybe don't have. But the engineering side definitely has helped um, with the way that I approach problems in marketing, not always from a pure logical standpoint, but using, like, the scientific method. I think there's probably a lot of marketers that don't really think about that, but it has implications across, you know, not just marketing, but business as a, as, as a whole. 
Um, but beyond that, I, I think like my, uh, not that it's like my like core strength, but it's one of the things I care about more than anything else is like, I feel like it's my job to understand my customers better than anyone else does. And if I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm failing, right? Like it, it, that's the way I look at it. And so if I think that I can understand them better than anybody else and, and I'm like truly pursuing that, then I'm going to beat anyone else who's competing with me um, uh, mm-hmm. to gain them just because I'll know them better. Um, and so that's from our business standpoint, that's, that has been relatively easy because we work with marketing agencies and I used to run a marketing agency. Like we kind of still are a marketing agency just for marketing agencies. So I know the problems that they go through better, you know, better than, um, than a lot of other folks. And uh, I mean, it's because uh, there are alternatives, right? Or to hire freelancers or hire internally. And the problem with both is that freelancers will never really understand your business the way you do. Um, and um, internal folks, like one, they're expensive and two, like they're never going to care about it as much as you do either. And so like the way that of the agencies that we work with, like the way that some of them have kind of said it about us is that, it's like having a clone of themselves that's just solely focused on marketing. Um, mm-hmm. That's so. I'd say that that's our that's our superpower, and that's how it's able to help. So, but nice, yeah, great, great. And uh, my final question about yeah. uh, your experience. Uh, you know, I found, for example, that I usually get uh, much better results, uh, high results with clients who understand. ACO. So if they don't uh, understand, I usually tell them, take my course, learn basics yeah. from Jeff Cole, Lily Ray, Chelsea Alves, uh, Mike Phillips, because you can understand why we need to create high quality content, how to create uh, content marketing strategy, how to earn authoritative relevant links with PR, white hat link building, uh, because if they don't, it's hard to get high results because it's like, I don't know, if someone want to lose weight, you can find the best coach. But if you don't understand why you need to eat healthy food, uh, train hard. So mm-hmm. it's it's literally impossible to uh, lose weight. Uh, Skylar, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about marketing? That's a good question. I think I would, uh, I think nothing beats like experience, but I do think that it helps to have a bit of a base upon which to build that experience. So I I think, so for example, it's like find a, um, find someone who's good at marketing and then ask them uh, if there was one book that I would need to read about marketing, what would it be? And then go read that book. And then immediately start executing after you read it the first time and just keep reading it until you're able to do everything that that book tells you to do. Um, that's where I would start. I think a lot of people, they read too many books and so they get distracted. They want to try a bunch of different t- tactics and probably like the number one problem is just not, is a lack of consistency. Um, or it's the lack of inaction or, or, or the um, the lack of action. So just too much inaction, reading too many books, getting a lot of theory, but never putting it into practice. You'll learn more from going, like let's say it's SEO. You'll learn more. I'm, talked about this today, like you'll learn more by going and building a website and getting your first page to rank and making your first dollar than you will from all the courses out there. Not that the courses can't help, they can guide you. It's just don't think that you need 
that second, third, fourth, fifth course every single time. Take one course and then just do and do and do and begin to test and experiment on your own. But yeah, yeah so I'd find a book, read it, and then just try, try it and just start to see what I could learn from there. You know, Skylar, I couldn't agree more with that because, you know, once I got the question from a listener, uh, uh, he asked me if he listens all my episodes, can he become a great marketer? I replied, <laughs> you can't. You can't. Yeah, yeah. It's not about to overlearn everything. Yeah. I can't learn a teeny percent of new skills are coming every single day. A lot of great articles, great books, podcasts. I have no time. But uh, I see Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't read uh, many books how to play soccer. He right. plays soccer. You know? he, he hits a ball a thousand times a day. Uh, it's, uh, we have short memory. We can forget about new skills uh, in a few days. I can forget for a few hours. Uh, if I don't make notes, if I don't share with my audience, if I don't implement, I can forget fast. Yeah, uh, a lot of skills can't help you. Uh, only practice implementation, you know. And I remember when Bill Gates said how he uh, reads books, he makes notes. He makes notes and yeah. think how he can implement. Okay, he can read less books, by the way. He reads a lot of books, but he can read a lot more. But he prefers to find uh, uh, some interesting insights, uh, to know them and think how he can implement. So use the yeah, same it's, approach. It's the intentional like a lot of people do passive reading or passive listening or passive learning, right? It's the intentional learning, intentional reading, intentional, uh, you know, consumption of information um, that allows you to, I think, to like really learn it and, um, and then begin to apply it. Um, even like the mere act of say, thinking about how something is done and visualizing it in your head, like the sort of like mirror neurons that we have in our brain, right? Like, I believe that's what Andrew Huberman talks about is like, you can, you can start to kind of see yourself go through it that way when you actually do go to go to try it like you're still a lot farther along than what you would be otherwise um you still have to practice it but it's also being intentional about your practice when you put it when, when you actually go to do it right reflect on what you've done what worked what didn't work what did you learn from that and being aware of your own cognitive biases right so i think a lot of people uh, like confirmation bias is a big one we go looking for the truth and what we're doing and, and to get the answer that we want instead of realizing that sometimes it's better to try to prove ourselves wrong to actually like progress forward. Um, otherwise like you're kind of like on a, like a, like a shaky serve, like a shaky foundation. Right. But if you, if you actively try to prove yourself wrong, um, getting that information back is useful. And then it tells you where you need to adapt and pivot to next and what you need to try next. But if you just, if you just keep taking the easy path, like don't be surprised if, down the road, like, you know, you end up like Blockbuster and Netflix or something. So, yeah, nice, nice. Skylar, it's a big pleasure to get on the show, to learn from you. You're so kind to share all these valuable insights. Uh, I'm curious only about this quote that uh, written uh, in your background because I tried <laughs> to read this yeah. quote, uh, the whole podcast, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read it, you know, it's a big distance. <laughs> it's a, do, 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 you, do you allow cursing on your show? Uh, yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. It's, it says carpe that fucking DM. So, ah, uh, okay. seize the fucking day. So, that's what it means. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Yep. Uh, Skylar, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Uh, probably LinkedIn would be the best place and or 
uh, Slack communities, really. So like if you're super path is a great one uh, that Jimmy Daly started former director of marketing um, over at, uh, over at animals um, love his community. That's where I'm probably the most active at, but that and LinkedIn um, I don't write nearly enough on the blog and uh, but yeah, so LinkedIn's probably the best place. So nice, nice guys. You can find the links to LinkedIn account uh, in the description below. You can find the link to the website Ardent Grove in the description. Listen mm-hmm. to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. Welcome back anytime. I love your all valuable insights, guys. You need to follow Skylar because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you.